Well, I haven't done this in a while. It's been about a month. Um, I'm, uh, I'm excited to be doing it, though, to be preaching again. Uh, we had a baby, for those of you who don't know, um, right there. She's right there. You can hold her up Lion King style or not. Um, no, she's sleeping. Okay. I'll work her then. Um, yeah, so, so I'm excited. I, I, I appreciate the grace to spend a little bit of time. We um, get an extra 10 to 15 hours a week uh, to not be prepping, um, to, to bring the word, to, to just uh, to spend time with family, to, to find a rhythm, because you know that, that can be difficult when, when you have a newborn. So uh, this morning, though, uh, we're going to dive back into some of the concepts and ideas that we were talking about um, over the course of the last month and even build on what Mark was talking about a couple of weeks ago and what Blaze preached to us last week. Um, so if you'll take your Bibles, if you have a copy in front of you, and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That's where we're going to be. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, Larry's got a handful back there. Just throw your hand in the air and he'll bring you one. Um, and if not, you can pull it up on your phone too. Um, that would be acceptable as well. So we're going to take uh, some time this morning and spend it uh, looking at 2 Corinthians 5, <laughs> verses 16 through 21, through the end of that chapter. Um, and we're, we're, we're shifting gears a little bit from what we were talking about. Uh, we spent a significant amount of time in, in 1 Timothy. We spent a significant amount of time in 1 Timothy. We're answering questions related to the church, like how do we build a healthy understanding of what it looks like to be the church? And again, we talked about concepts like the, the church is not a building, but the church is the people of God. And the, the purpose of the church is to come together to carry out the commands given to us in Scripture, primarily some of those one another's that are given to us in Scripture, like love one another, to serve one another, to encourage one another, uh, to bear one another's burdens, etc. You see the, the pattern there through all of Scripture. There are tons and tons of these, especially in the New Testament. We find lots of one another, uh, one another type language for us. And the primary thrust behind carrying out those one another, one another's is not duty and obligation, but something that we talked about when we talked about First Timothy a lot. Not duty and obligation, but as a result of deep gospel impact, right? We talked about that. You're like impact, the, the impact that the gospel has in our hearts so that we might be transformed um, and move to a greater understanding. And that this is a greater understanding of what God has done for you in Jesus, that he literally saved you, literally saved you from eternal destruction. That he, he did not spare his own son, but that is the means by which he, he made a way for us. He prepared a way for us in Jesus Christ. That which separated you from God has been removed, and now, now, you are able to, if you put your trust into Jesus, if you put your trust in Jesus, you are able to commune with God. You are able to, to, to live in relationship with Him, to follow all that He commands as a result of the overwhelming joy that you experience in the understanding of what he has done for you, Jesus. That, that idea, when we're pursuing the greater understanding of the gospel in personal time, even as we've talked about in the video explained, as Mark talked about, personal time in God's word, as, as you allow that to embed itself in your heart, as you allow to embed that, for that to embed itself in your heart, that personal time spent in God's word, and the togetherness in a, in a, in a context like this, um, am I getting some feedback here? In the context like this, oh, good, okay, I thought I heard something. Um, probably inside my head, not outside. Um, it's the Lord. <laughs> Great. Okay. Um, the, uh, 
the, 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 a context like this, spending time together experiencing uh, God, experiencing that deep gospel impact as a result of spending time together as those who are created in God's image, the more the gospel embeds itself in our hearts through the working of the Spirit of Christ, the more we will be transformed into the image of Christ. Catch that. The more the gospel embeds itself in our hearts, the more we will be transformed into the image of Christ. And when we are transformed into the image of Christ, we will value Christ. We will value Christ more than everything else. We will discard comfort-seeking, easy believism that our culture is, is, is feeding us all of the time. We will stop seeking our own good, but shift our focus onto obeying those commands, those, those one another, shift the focus off of ourselves and onto others for the good of others and for the glory of God. So, so when we come this morning, when we come to this text, primarily in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, we take a step back and look, like, look at what that means for us as Buffalo City Church. We take a step back. Um, we're reminded of what our mission is, right? We exist to make disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ. That is our mission, and we carry out that mission because of that gospel impact, right? We carry out that mission because of the gospel impact that we've experienced in our lives. It's the good of others we care about. Moving from death to life, and that happens in this context too. We fight daily, this context here. We fight daily to see God at work in the transformative process, in the monotonous stuff of life, not just the big experiences, not just the blowouts, not, not where we see a dramatic leap forward in the spiritual, but the monotony of life and the day-to-day -day things of life. We see God at work uh, because of the impact of the gospel on our lives. And we fight, we fight then, we fight to point others. We fight to point others to the work of Jesus in their life, in that daily stuff, that monotony of life. We fight to point others to the work of Jesus, and we count the cost together as we follow Jesus. And so that brings us then to our text this morning. That's kind of a big lead-in over the last, like, three or four months. Those are some of the low-hanging concepts that we've talked about. That brings us then to our text this morning. So let's, let's read this text together. We're going to take it, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 through 21. Let me read this for us. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He has committed us to the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word again. God, we thank you that we can come to it. And it teaches us about who we are in light of who you are. And then what our response should be. Lord God, I pray that this time would be uh, effective, that it would be encouraging. Lord, I pray that you would remove me from this equation. 
that your word would speak. It's in Jesus' name that we pray this morning. Amen. So we so this text then, let's let's consider a few things here, and then we're going to get to our big idea, and then I'm going to lay out a uh, I'm going to lay out some some just a couple of themes that we're going to talk about. Um, so so what we're doing here this morning is we're moving towards an understanding. I, want, I wanted to take some time and over the next few weeks and spend some time thinking practically about some of the commands that God gives us in Scripture, specifically to be exercised within this context. Um, those two things are baptism and the Lord's Supper, and we're going to spend more time talking about the practical uh, outworking of these things next week and the following week. But this morning, I want to lay the foundation out of this text for you to see um, some of the ideas that are behind those, those practices for the church. So as we look at this text, especially as we get to verse 16, which is going to kind of provide us a lead-in verse for 17 through 21, um, and, and, uh, and what it's going to do is just give us kind of a, a, a foot in the previous, in the previous uh, chunk of text uh, that's going to propel us then forward into some of these understandings. So Paul is writing this to the Corinthians. This, this in 2 Corinthians is actually the fourth letter. It says 2 Corinthians, your Bible is the fourth letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Um, in First and 2 Corinthians, we see in a couple of places, Paul is, is telling the Corinthians, giving, alluding back to a couple of places where he's written to them on a couple of different occasions. This is a church that needed a lot of instruction. They were pretty messed up. And so, and so when, when, when Paul is, is writing this, he's saying, there is the weight of three letters that you've received from me prior to this. So, so all of this is even more important. Um, so he's writing this to them. And the Corinthians had a problem. This is, this is the primary problem that Paul is addressing in 2 Corinthians. They had a problem with his authority. They didn't see him as an authoritative figure. They said, who is this guy? Probably because he, when he showed up, he, was a, he, he looked a little bit frail. He looked a little bit busted up. He wasn't a very, I mean, think of a guy that got shipwrecked as often as Paul did and beaten as much as he did. He probably walked around like, a, like, like probably 20, 40 years older than he actually was. Because this is a guy who had experienced a significant amount of persecution for, uh, for professing Christ. And so they had a problem with him because they were embedded in this Greek culture that, that saw oratory and saw, um, saw the ability to speak and have authority as rooted in something other than what God's call was on that life. So when, when they look at Paul, they say, man, that guy, he looks like he doesn't look great. He doesn't look like these Greek orators that show up. These guys, they would shave their head. They would put oil on it. They'd boil up their muscles. They'd look pretty buff and pretty sweet. And, and the people in Corinth saw them and they thought to themselves, man, those guys, those guys look good. That's God's blessing. And so because they look good, we're going to listen to those guys. But these are the guys who are, who are invading, embedding themselves in the, the context in Corinth and, and, and taking away, preaching a, a, a gospel that required self-generated righteousness. They were preaching a gospel that was the gospel and something else, not simply uh, by grace through faith alone. And so Paul comes to them and says, hey, authority, all authority is God-given. All authority is God-given. It is not contingent on appearance. And that's why we have verse 16. Therefore, from now on we recognize no one according to the flesh. We recognize no one according to the flesh. If you, if you walk it up a little bit to verse 12... 
We are not, again, commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that you might have an answer for those who take pride in appearance, take pride in appearance and not in heart, right? This is a primary theme that comes up over and over and over in the New Testament. Verse 16, not regarding according to the flesh, He's not mincing words in verse 12. He's saying, taking pride in appearance and not in heart. As a Pharisee, Paul would have have seen Jesus prior to his conversion. He would have seen Jesus. He would have seen that he was crucified on the cross. And it is a curse to be hung on a tree, right? He even writes that in Galatians 3 for us. It is a curse to hang on a tree. And so he would have seen Jesus as cursed by God. Um, And then he would have seen him as a false messiah. But when he experienced Jesus on the road to Damascus, right? When he experienced Jesus and and alive Jesus Christ, um, he he no longer could regard Jesus according to the flesh. He could no longer look at appearance. And so he's making that same appeal then to the people in Corinth. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was not a curse, but it was the way that God was going to provide a way for his people to be saved. So then we get to verse 17, and this is going to move us directly into the concepts that we're going to have this morning. Um, this will propel us in the next two weeks to talk about baptism and the Lord's Supper, um, or what we're going to call the ordinances. And I need to say this um, because this is important for us. We're going to call them the ordinances. Ordinances is just a fancy word that the church has, has put, and it's probably meant something uh, significant. The, 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 the usage rate has gone significantly down for us. All it means is command or decree. Um, we're going to use the word ordinances um, just because it's, it's concise and it's, it's easy for us to, 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 to recognize. So these decrees or commands, uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper, um, some traditions would call these sacraments. We're actually going to avoid that language because of the, the connotation that it carries. So there's, let me just parse this out for you. Um, the sacraments, right? The sacraments uh, uh, are, are a demonstration um, that uh, a sacrament carries the understanding that, the, that, that, that in an act, in and of itself, conveys grace to people. An act in and of itself conveys grace to people. But if we're reading this text, even that we're seeing this morning, we're reading what Paul is writing. He's saying that appearance has has no kind of place in our world. Um, That that uh, that especially verse twelve again, we're taking pride in appearance and not in heart. God is looking at the intention of the heart. God is looking through uh, through the act at the intention behind the act. We know that God looks at that heart, the intention behind the act, and the intention that seeks to honor him and bring him glory is what he's looking for. And through observing and carrying out what God has commanded us, we are reminded of the grace that comes through the person of Jesus. So when we look at baptism, when we look at the Lord's Supper, those are continual reminders of what God has done for us in Jesus. And then grace comes to us in recalling and remembering and that public proclamation and then anticipation of what God is going to do for us. One author writes this regarding the ordinances. Believers receive grace and blessing when we obey Christ's commands and remember his saving act. So that brings us then this morning to, that's a a lot of lead up info, okay? So that brings us this morning to our big idea. And then this is simple, and we're going we're gonna to talk about these ideas. Look at verse 17. I'm going to read this before we get there. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, the new things have come. This is the big idea then for this morning. The transfer from old to new that comes through knowing Jesus produces joyful obedience in the form of remembrance, proclamation, and anticipation. And we're going to talk about those three things. The transfer from old to new that comes through knowing Jesus produces joyful obedience in the form of remembrance, proclamation, and anticipation. Those are the big things I need you to take away from this morning. Remembrance, proclamation, and anticipation. Okay. We'll take those in turn. Remembrance. Um, okay. So, if you're on Facebook, who's on Facebook? Everybody's on Facebook. If you're not, congratulations. Um, if, if, that was a joke. Um, if, you, if you pull it up at any point, if you pull up Facebook, you pull up the profile at any point during the week, they, they have this cool new feature. It's probably not actually that new, but you see your memories, right? You see things that you posted on that day X number of years ago. So this week, for example, uh, Facebook reminded me that I posted a picture of my parents' cat 10 years ago. Thanks, Facebook. Um, we, we, also, uh, we also had some tears shed in our home over, over the advancement of our children from age three or two, three. And, 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 uh, and so we spent some time like just, you know, it, it's typically like, hey, look at this, pull it up, look at, the, look at the picture and say, wow, look at how much they've grown. Look at how all these things that have happened in their life since then. And, and the reason I say that is because we're, we're a people who, who like to remember. We like to remember good things. We, like, we, we have nostalgia. We, we, we prefer to think of, of the past and we prefer to think of it well. And I think that Paul is even talking to us about this. And we're definitely going to see this as we move to, to, to the, more practical, uh, the more practical side of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Um, Paul sees that as he gets to, to verse 17 because he's, he's calling them to remember. And, and he's also calling them to remember who they are as a people, right? We are people who are created in God's image. God has chosen to reveal himself through, like, history. Now, God stands outside of time, right? God isn't bound by time. Time is a creation of God. And so he steps back and he sees everything from, from creation to, to his return. And he sees all of that in one, in, in one shot. He doesn't have to, like, he doesn't insert himself and then mug around and be like, man, I wonder what's going to happen tomorrow. Or that was cool that that happened yesterday. No, he's looking at it all at the same time, always. And so, um, but he has chosen, yet he has chosen to reveal himself over the arc of history and to tell a, a story over time. Um, and he's created that in order um, that we might see him and experience him in a dramatic way. Um, he chose to reveal himself in that way. So Paul wants the Corinthians then to remember, as we get to verse 17, he wants them to remember a few things, right? He wants them to remember, them to remember that they are a new creation. Um, because of God's work in their life. Um, he wants them to see that it's not their work. He wants them to see that he reconciled us to himself through Jesus. And not only us individually, but it says all things. All things are being reconciled to, to God through uh, Christ's atoning work. Um, so he wants them to remember. And Paul has this singular vision, even as we've studied some of these books that Paul has written. We've, we've spent time together. Um, if you've been with us for a long time, we've spent time in Philippians. We've spent time in 1 Timothy. And Paul has this singular vision. We want, to, um, we want to see that the gospel is always on the tip of Paul's tongue. 
It's always right there. He's always ready to, to speak it. He's already always ready to say it. In verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new have come. And so he is giving us a, 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 a grand picture of what is happening and what we need to remember um, in Christ's word. But, but Paul knew that remembering for the Corinthians wasn't the be-all, end-all. So that brings us then to our next point, right? And that's proclamation. Um, God has, has, has made us into his ambassadors. So when we, when we think and we, we love to see those memories on Facebook, we pull them up and we think about them or we, or we pull out an, an old photo album and we start going through it. I don't know if anyone, does people do photo albums anymore? I don't know. But you open up, um, you go through your pictures on your computer or whatever you do, or your iPad or your iPhone or whatever. Um, you start looking at it and you say, oh man, I saw those pictures of those kebabs I made last year. Those were really good. I'm going to go make those right now. Um, and, and, and you start telling people about it. Like, hey, hey, Kellen, I made some awesome kebabs. You want to come over or something later? Yeah. But I, I don't have to go right now. But, but so, so uh, we'll table that one. But, um, uh, but Paul, and Paul, so Paul gets that, right? He want, when, when you remember something and you remember it fondly, you want to talk about it. And Paul gets that. And, and Paul, Paul is talking about that specifically then to the Corinthians. He says in verse 20, look at verse 20 with me. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He doesn't say, we, he doesn't, get this, he doesn't say we are like ambassadors. He says we are ambassadors. So this is me, this is me as like an English nerd or like a language person. He says, we are ambassadors, right? He is using, specifically, he is using a verb. Verbs are important, guys. Like, you can't, you can't say a sentence without saying a verb. Speak a sentence without saying a verb. <laughs> um, shoot. So, um, so, so we... Verbs are incredibly important to us. So, so Paul right here, he, he writes this specifically to them and says this. Don't, don't think that Paul was just writing this real quick. He was thinking about this intently. Therefore, we are ambassadors. Who's thinking, how can I make this, uh, make this uh, very pointed for my audience here? And when he says we here, he's talking about uh, talking about the apostles because, again, he's, 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 uh, he's giving us a... Uh, uh, an argument for this apostolic authority. He's giving an argument for his God-given authority, but he is also giving this to them because he wants them to, to, to get in line with what, what, what God is doing in them specifically. Therefore, we are ambassadors, right? So this verb here, this verb is important. We are. He says are. are here is the first person present, plural of be, right? Which is to exist, simply to exist, we exist. What he's writing is we exist as his ambassadors. We exist as his ambassadors. This is, and we talked about this idea a little hot. I hope you hear me say this a billion times. This is identity. Our identity is as an ambassador. As an ambassador of Jesus Christ. This is not a checklist item. It is not a job. It is not a job. It's who you are in Christ. God is literally making his appeal through you. What God has done for you, now he intends to do through you. God is literally making his appeal to be reconciled uh, 
to him through you. And this appeal to be reconciled to God through you is one that is done in continuous proclamation. Continuous, ongoing proclamation of what God has done for you in your life. It's part of that remembering. Remembering leads then to proclamation. Telling people about the kebabs that I made leads me to, to, to speak well of them. It's you telling your story. It's you proclaiming God's transformational work in your life. It's us spurring one another on to this proclamation. Paul calls the Corinthians to remember the response is proclamation, not only, this is, this is going to move us to our last point, not only about what has been done, but what is coming. Paul calls the Corinthians to remember this response is proclamation, not only about things accomplished, but in view of things to come. There are things coming. It's not all in the past. There is something coming. And so the call here then for us is to anticipate, is to anticipate what it is that God has promised to us and that he is fully intending and is faithful and will be faithful to accomplish. So next week as we dive into some of those practical aspects of baptism, we're going to get into Romans 6. We're going to move to Romans 6 and we're going to talk together about what Paul tells the Romans regarding baptism in, in Romans 6. But Paul argues in that text, just a, just a glimpse into what we're going to talk about next week, Paul argues that if we have been unified with Christ in death, which we have, death to self, death to sin, if we've been unified to, uh, with Christ in death, um, that, that death to self and sin is a picture of Christ's death, so also we will be unified with Jesus in his resurrection, which is a thing to come, which is promised to us. So just as we like to see those memories on Facebook, if we live saturated in those memories, if we, if we sit at home and think to ourselves, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing um, all day, I'm just going to look at all of these things that I posted a year ago, or go back a ways and just, just think about those things, that's not bad to do, it's, it's good to remember where we've been, but if we, if we live saturated in those memories, it will stunt our forward movement, um, we will become apologists for the past and pass alone and have no forward-looking vision. We will not see what God has done and what he is accomplishing for us or has accomplished for us in the person of Jesus. And so the Corinthians were battling this as well. This is something that they were, they were, they were not seeing quite how Paul had authority, but then they were also battling from the other side. They were battling this idea um, that, that, that they had reached some kind of, they had, they had uh, ascended some kind of like spiritual tier list, right? They had gone up a bit um, because if we move back to that, back to 1 Corinthians in, in chapter 15, Paul is addressing this very specifically, but they, they had seen just an incredible outpouring of gifts in their, in their midst. Like they had seen the spirit of Christ working in incredible ways in their midst. Um, and so we see Paul even giving them some instructions in 1 Corinthians 12 about what was going on. Um, but then he frames that really well for them. And he says, hey, but um, you might have, you might be experiencing these gifts in an incredible way. You might be using them. Um, but there is a, a better way. There is a more acceptable way to be living as people. And then he gets to 1 Corinthians 13, which is which probably a bunch of you used in your weddings, which is cool. But um, what he's saying is this is the way that the church um, carries out the one another's of Scripture. We love one another. We love one another. 
Um, and so those gifts then are always used in view of loving one another. Just like one person's gift in the church does not outweigh another's because they are all intended to be a conduit for love. So in 1 Corinthians 15 then, as we get through 13, he goes back and talks about some more gifts in 14, and then in, in 15, uh, there is, uh, Paul writes very specifically then to them, if there is no resurrection, then Christ wasn't raised. If there's no resurrection for us in the future, then Christ wasn't raised, and those who follow Christ are to be pitied. So the point of that is what's to come is important. What's to come is important. It's important to, to live in view of what God has done in the past, but also what he has promised to do, to raise us together with Christ if we are in him. We are ambassadors proclaiming not only what God has done in Jesus, but also proclaiming what God has promised to do. He is faithful to all of his promises, and so we can be certain, we can be sure that those things are coming. That is our hope. Okay, so the three things then for this, us this morning as we lay the foundation for, for talking about baptism and the Lord's Supper is memory, proclamation, and anticipation. Um, but this morning then I want to give you just a couple of low-level takeaways um, for us just to be thinking about through the course of the week. So, so as we're talking about the ordinance as we get there, um, we haven't really discussed them yet, but, but as we get there, we're talking about the practical next week with, with baptism. It's important to, for us to see what Scripture is calling us to as a people. It's important for, uh, to see what Scripture is calling to us to as a people. It's calling us to remember, to proclaim, and to anticipate. And the through lines can practically be seen by obeying, by joyfully adhering to all that God has commanded for us and carrying out those things in obedience. Um, and in, in His Word, God has given us these two, these two concepts to publicly, um, to publicly observe, right? The ordinances. Um, and so as we move that direction, just be thinking along these lines as we do these are our three takeaways this morning. Um, just simply this, remember what God has done for you in Jesus. Remember what God has done for you in Jesus. Think about it. Like, meditate upon it. Don't, don't let a day go by that you're not saturated in God's word, seeing how God is working for your good and his glory um, by sending his son to, to deal with your rebellion, to deal with your sin, to take that away, to remove that entirely from you, to, to place upon you his righteousness while he on the cross bore the wrath that was deserved, that you deserved. That sent Jesus to bear the burden of his wrath. That was due to you. We have this reconciliation language, right? We have this reconciliation language even in this text this morning. God is reconciling you to himself. Your, your, uh, your, your credit line read zero and it needed to be a billion. It needed to be a billion. And he reconciled you to himself through the work of Jesus on the cross. And he granted you right standing. Jesus lived a perfect life and died that undeserved death so that you might stand before him. And then what he has promised to do for us is to uh, commune with him for all of eternity and have direct, uninhibited access to him for all eternity. So that's number one. Remember what God has done for you in Jesus. Secondly, proclaim what God has done for you in Jesus. And this one might be intimidating because this is verbal. This requires verbal proclamation. 
This requires verbal proclamation. Think about how you can articulate your story. Think about the ways that you can, and then recite it to your spouse or to a good friend. Spend time thinking about the ways that God has worked in your life and the way that he is, and think about the ways that you can, that you can articulate it. Um, th again, this proclamation needs to be a verbal exercise. So Paul uses this language, this metaphor, this understanding of ambassadors. He says we are his ambassadors. This is your identity in Jesus, is to be his ambassador. Ambassadors don't go to foreign countries and bring potato salad to a party. Um, they don't go to foreign countries and smile at summits and expect to have their national interests protected. Like, that's not what they do. They go and they actually speak. They actually make appeals to, to, to the, to the, in the places that they are. They, these appeals are verbal. And that, that is what Paul is pressing here. His appeal is very much verbal. The apostles' appeal to the early church was very much verbal. And they were setting the tone and setting the pace for that. If God is making, if, if, if our identity is an ambassador, if God is making an appeal for reconciliation through us, then we must speak. We must speak. We must use our words. So be ready to bear witness to what God has done in working life. And that just means like, I don't know how to share my story. I don't know what to do. That's why you have people like in this room. Like, get together and just spend some time just thinking about what, how, how can I articulate what God has done for me and what he has promised to do for me. So then the last one, simply this morning, anticipate what God has promised to you in Jesus. This is an inheritance that can't be taken away. This is no more tears. This is no more decay. This is no more death. God has promise these things. And, and some of us in this room are relatively young, right? We're not thinking about death. We're not thinking about death regularly. He has removed that obstacle entirely from us. We need to meditate on the fact that our bodies are broken, we're sinful, we're decaying, we're moving at, a, at an incredible rate towards, towards physical death. But he has provided a way for spiritual life, spiritual life everlasting, life in his presence, a joy-filled future in the presence of God. Um, this is incredibly encouraging to me, and this is what we'll end with this morning. And in 2 Corinthians, the beginning of this, of this, uh, at the beginning of this, this letter that Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he writes this. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20, uh, dealing with God's promises. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter our Amen. To God for His glory. Let me read that again. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him we utter our amen to God for His glory. The hymn there is Jesus. Right? It's anticipate this week. Anticipate what God has promised to you in Jesus. What Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection accomplished for you. It accomplished a yes, a solid yes, a check by the yes box for all of the promises of God. And that is why through him we utter our amen. That word in Greek means truly, verily, we, we, are, uh, we are affirming it dramatically for the glory of God that all the promises of God find their yes in him. Let's pray.